Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, my name is Robert, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hi, Robert. And I'm your leader for this meeting. Our meeting topic is, uh, what's the exact topic again? Uh, recovery from online pickups. Um, please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Um, okay, can I remind everyone that this is a tape meeting in the spirit of the, of the 12th step. The tape recorder cannot be turned off if you do not wish to be taped. We suggest that you choose another meeting at which to share or feel free to simply listen at this meeting. At this time, I would like to introduce our speaker, uh, who will share her experience, strength, and hope for approximately 10 minutes on, on the topic that we just mentioned. Um, so I'd like to introduce Sir Bernadette. Good afternoon. I am Bernadette Kay, and I am a sexaholic. Hi, Bernadette. My sobriety date is 6203. We are here to discuss recovery from online pickups. The summary of the session is as follows. The Internet is the social bar of the 21st century. How do we recover from online dating and searching for sex partners? How did we make connections with real people? I'm going to focus my talk on some use of the Internet that involved uh, my searching beyond my marriage. I know that there are other people who can give input regarding the dating scene um, because they're single, but that's not my experience. My use of the Internet along these lines occurred in chat rooms for people who desired non-sub relationships. At first, I sought paternal men and discovered early on that there were actually kind men who sought submissive women to control to their way of thinking, firmly but gently. This was an immediate turn-on for me in the beginning of my obsession with sexual masochism because at first all I was looking for involved paternal love, which in my mind included punishment, the kind a father would give to a disobedient young child. I found men online who were a lot older than I was, so they claimed, and discovered that most of these, actually all the ones I met up in hotels with, were counselors, pastors, or therapists. These men comprised the compassionate subset of doms, not the heartless sadists I had come across and quickly moved away from in the chat rooms. One man in particular really appealed to me. He lived in Ohio over 400 miles away. We would act out punishment fantasies online and on the phone, but then got to know one another well, and the social and emotional bonding began. He would drive through New Jersey to visit his son in Manhattan and began meeting me in hotels as he was passing through. The first time was such a rush. 
I talked to him for months, and he'd actually advised me on a number of upsetting job issues. He had a master's in counseling, and I found him to be very supportive and helpful. As incredible as it sounds, my husband knew of the developing relationship. I had been telling myself that he was not a lover, rather a paternal figure who I met for loving punishment. My husband went along with it because I was depressed and said I needed a father in my life who would be strong, since my own father was meek and did not rescue me from violence and sexual abuse of my past. My husband knew I loved my father and still do, but but he that he never gave me boundaries or protection. I was trying to change that with this fantasy relationship. I drove three times to Ohio, taking only six hours to get there each time, because I absolutely could not wait to see him. I stayed four to five days at a time. The routine was surreal, punishment and then playing house. I would actually prepare meals and such while he was at work. Then punishment at night, a true dom-sub relationship. I talked to him for hours online when I was home. My husband actually met him and me for lunch in Manhattan once because I had so convinced him and myself that this man would never supplant him in my heart. This was nearly six years ago, and now I look back and think how insane it all was. In fact, I had bought furniture in Ohio that is now still in my house, but we are finally selling it, and we both want that to happen quickly. My husband has finally woken up to the hurt that he had been caused, and I owe it to him to make up for that. I feel like I can never do enough. Thank God he claims to love me through all of it. We've been married for 21 years, and he is a very forgiving man. Before this man, there was a relationship online that started my online addiction. My old boyfriend from high school contacted me out of the blue 25 years after I'd last seen him. He'd been the director of the school play I was um, the main character in and had a crush on him. Uh, he was a senior and I was a freshman. Then we dated briefly for two years. I was so obsessed with our online experience that I printed out every chat we had, 100 pages the first week, 800 pages in four months. He lived in California, so I lost sleep in order to talk to him and got manic over the situation. I went over to see him three consecutive summers. One of those times I took my whole family to see his, ostensibly so they could see San Francisco. This relationship never got sexual, but the emotional tie was extremely intense. When he got sick of it, I turned to the S&M chat rooms. So the first relationship did not end because of me. Neither actually did the second. He did not want to continue meeting because I wanted more and more harm. He was into milder activity. Yet the online part continued with both men, and I told myself it had moved to a platonic state. That is the biggest lie I could have told myself. I know that now. I have since heard over and over that we should avoid the people, places, and things that brought us to our addictive state. With the help of others in SA, particularly my sponsor and recovery partners, I learned that I had to completely break off contact, even seemingly innocuous conversations. Simply going online to see how he was doing did not cut it. The emotional bonds would remain and would lead to the sexual connection. And even if they didn't, I would be unfaithful to my husband. When the man from Ohio moved to New York State only three hours away, I mused about going to see him in his new home, a large house on a few acres in the wilderness. Everyone, my husband, my sponsor, my friends in my home meeting, and my therapist came down hard on me for even considering it. So I dropped the idea. And that's what it takes, the cold, hard, abrupt 
cold turkey end to such a relationship. I have seen others who have not done so pay for that by being sucked back in into it over and over. I am grateful to God that I had the support system that pulled me out of the quicksand before I got in too deep. God played a big part in my current interaction with the Internet. I found essay chat and websites that reinforce my desire to now do the will of God. I do not go to those other places where I can get into trouble. I lost my passwords, and the situation is such that I would have to go to great lengths to retrieve them. I'm also passionately interested in a concept that brings the connection to life that exists between a man and his wife. It allows me to focus on God's purpose for the marital embrace, that one act of supreme love that involves all aspects of our being, spiritual, physical, and emotional. Because I am focused on this, I have to believe that it's never okay to split myself between my husband and another man, even if only emotionally. I want to respect myself as well as my husband. I believe I even respect the others whom I would otherwise use in these superficial self-serving relationships. By staying true to my marital vows, they are spared the pain of being a part-time relationship. Let me end with my recovery note. It's been four and a half years since I started an essay, and also that much time that I have been sober. My life is different in so many ways. My priorities have changed. I have a job that I found while in recovery. It pays much less than the one I had lost while in my addiction. Over these past two years, I have been offered opportunities to make a lot more money than I do now, but choose to stay here because of how unusual the job is in terms of spiritual enrichment. My daughter, who is now 18, says she understands my choice, even though it puts our family with three in college in a financial bind. She says she sees how I have changed for the better because of my newfound priorities and my new passion for all things spiritual. I am grateful to God and she see, that she sees that. She and I get along so well now. For so long before I found SA, she and my sons, who are now 20 and 17, were estranged from me. But now it's so different because through SA, I found a true relationship with God that translates into love for my husband and for them. Thank you, God, and thank you for all listening. Um, thanks a lot. Thank you, Yes, uh, th- thanks again, Bernadette, for uh, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us. Uh, we'll now open the floor for sharing. Uh, because our common welfare comes first, uh, here are the guidelines for sharing during the meeting. If you wish to speak, uh, please wait to be recognized by me. No cross-talking, please. Uh, please keep her sharing to two or three minutes, although I, I think with a small group like this, we don't have to worry about that. Uh, and... Um, and also, uh, for the recording, please stay close to the microphone and uh, speak clearly. And I'm going to uh, move out of this seat, and anybody who wants to share can come up here and uh, and, and share at the mic. And if you're, you know, if, if, if this is, yeah, again, this is a recorded meeting, so if you're not comfortable being recorded, then uh, we would ask you not to, uh, just, to just to listen. Uh, our purpose in sharing is to discuss our experience, strength, and hope in recovery. We focus on the SA 12-step approach in recovery. We don't discuss other 12-step programs, philosophies, therapies, or occupations. Uh, we avoid mentioning specific titles or authors or publications other than SA or AA conference-approved literature. We also avoid using uh, abusive language or sexually explicit descriptions. Our emphasis here is recovery, the solution using the steps in our daily lives. Uh, and please remember that this um, meeting is being taped. So the floor is now open for, for shares.
Hi, I'm Tanya. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. And I was probably a sexaholic from uh, as almost as far back as I can remember, looking at pornography um, that my father had around, um, um, reading uh, erotic material that my mom had around and that sort of thing. But uh, getting to online uh, chat rooms and that sort of thing was like going from uh, marijuana to crack cocaine. Um, I first started chatting when I was... Um, married and at first the first time I chatted it was only in religious rooms and it never occurred to me that I could uh do anything other than chat and chat normally um but I was staying up late and I did this for about a week or so and then I thought you know I've got a baby and I'm pregnant I can't be staying up till two in the morning so I quit that and um you know never crossed my mind to do it again until a few years later when um a friend suggested uh, that we could keep in touch through instant message. Okay, well, that sounds like a good idea. Well, one thing led to another, and I discovered chatting. And uh, actually, my first uh, experience with erotica was uh, online, was on a message board. Um, I went to some sexual sites and posted a, a sexual fantasy and got a lot of good feedback. So I thought, well, this is kind of nice. So I got on to online chatting, and at the time I was having problems with my ex, and uh, it was easier to chat and complain about my ex and talk about how, you know, how I wish things were different than to actually do anything about the relationship. So I um, chatted, and uh, eventually the chats became sexual, then they became uh, actual acting out online, on the phone. And then eventually I acted out with a person in person. And um, what was really scary was my ex found out about all this. He figured something was up and put a uh, program on the computer that uh, recorded everything I typed. So he was able to see everything that I had written. Um, he confronted me about it, and I didn't deny it. And I still went ahead and met this guy. My ex did a little research, found out the guy lived in a hole-in-the-wall, um, he was an engineer, but he lived in like a hole-in-the-wall um, little RV out in the middle of nowhere and had oil barrels in his yard. And what's significant is this was around the time that a guy in Kansas was arrested for uh, meeting women online, killing them, and putting them in oil barrels. So my husband was like, well... If you want to, you know, if you want to leave me, that's fine, but stay away from this guy, you know, because he's dangerous. And I actually listened, but I couldn't stop chatting. Um, and eventually we divorced. And then it was like Katie bar the door. You know, I, I had carte blanche. I was single now. And um, all I really wanted was a relationship and a perfect relationship because I certainly didn't have that with my ex. Of course, I can't have a perfect relationship with anybody other than God, and it's only perfect on God's end, not my end. But, um, um, you know, I got I let myself get involved in a lot of dangerous situations, let strange men in my house, was raped twice or at least did think was forced to do things that I didn't want to do sexually and didn't know how to say no to. I don't know if that's rape, but it definitely wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and, um, you know, I tried different things. I tried, uh, not, you know, using the internet at night. I tried, uh, calling my sponsor before I got online. None of that worked. Um, for about, uh, six months after I got out of treatment the second time, um, I had no internet access at all. And then for a while I only had internet access at the library. But then I started, uh, school 
um, started seminary and uh, needed internet for school. Well, it was very hard to stay off. And what I finally have done is um, um, put chat blockers on my on my computer, which drives my kids nuts because they're like, "Well, we can't do anything." Well. Too bad, you know. Maybe you don't need to be out there chatting either. So, um, so I've had chat blockers put on, and you know, I realize that I can get around a chat blocker if I really work at it hard enough. But uh, what has really kept me sober was surrendering and working the steps. Um, and um, the last time I uh, acted out with someone I chatted with was in September of 2005. Now, my sobriety is July of 2006. Um, I ended up acting out with the guy that I was in treatment with. But um, but I've been able to stay sober from uh, um, acting out online for over two years. And... Um, you know, it's one day at a time, and I have to realize that I can't do this, any any kind of Internet online interaction. Um, the only thing I can do is my school has message boards, but it's geared only for students. You have to be enrolled in the class to get on. So I can do those message boards because it's only about the topic for class, and no one's on there except fellow students. But beyond that, I cannot chat. I cannot um, do Internet dating. I don't see me even doing anything like eHarmony or anything like that because um, especially right now, I'm still afraid that I'd go to bed with a person that I dated. So um, so I'm definitely not ready to date, and I don't think I'll ever be ready to do any kind of online dating. Chatting, forget it. Um, anything else, not likely. But I'm grateful for my sobriety. I'm grateful for God that I have God in my life that um, that fills the hole that uh, Internet uh, chatting uh, was trying to fill and never could. Thanks. I'm Brian. I'm a sexaholic. And... Um, I have uh, 60 days of clean sobriety. Um, I've finally moved out of the fantasy of technical sobriety. It's taken me uh, almost seven and a half years. I'm embarrassed and ashamed to admit. Um, on the subject of online dating, um, I guess the first thing I need to share is that I, um, uh, I could not, I mean, literally, I had difficulty figuring out how to turn a computer on four and a half years ago. And from there, I graduated to a what would one would refer to, I think, as a layman, professional computer person. I know so much more than I ever uh, ever wanted to know about the computers, and I um, can't stand them. I don't like them. I hate high technology. I have resentments toward all that kind of thing. But I became an expert at it, and uh, it graduated. Started off with you know messenger, you know, innocent messaging, message messaging and um, from there I learned how to uh, go to the various sites and from there I learned how to uh, uh, chat online through the computer talk on the computer etc 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 and then I began to make uh, potential uh, candidates for acting out um, the last one was in um, um, in a far distant land um, and I've only just been able to uh, sever that out of my computer with the help of a Technologist, a personal friend of mine who 
I literally had to beg him to understand what I was trying to accomplish here. He did that in, uh, before I left. Um, uh, he did that some time ago and uh, got rid of it. Um, however, I still remain in my mind the transfixation of the potential to meet somebody on the Internet. It's always there. If I don't uh, find it here, if I don't see it wherever where I'm traveling, uh, then I know that I can always go back to the computer and uh, find something uh, somehow or another. Uh, after the conference uh, thus far this week, I've um, uh, when I return to my home, uh, the first thing I have to do is completely disconnect the uh, satellite from my home, and um, um, uh, which is to me a part of the computer world, the high tech world. And um, I have to um, um, ensure my passwords once again with my friend in Canada, who will was very somewhat now knowledgeable, more than he ever dreamt he'd ever know about this subject. Um, and I can't afford the uh, risk of that on-off switch. It's um, the potential of it is too overwhelming for me. The um, uh, I do legitimately need it for my business. Uh, but the uh, potential with the on-off switch is too um, overpowering, mesmerizing me, um, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12 hours on the computer all night long, not going to my grandchildren's birthdays, you know, missing important events, uh, running my own company I got away with. I must have been the worst employee we've ever had, but I got away with everything. Um, and uh, subjugating myself to high-risk Situations, very high risk. Um, I've had people fly into my country, etc., and um, you know could have been at serious risk, but uh, that none of that uh, prevented me. Anyway, I'm glad for this meeting today, and I'm glad for one of the meetings that I attended this morning, which I needed to attend. And uh, I have a lot of hope as a result of this conference and this sharing. Thanks. Hi, um, my name is Josh, and I've uh, been coming to SA meetings since uh, May of last year. And uh, the internet is um, hi. Um, the internet has really been, you know, a huge place of struggle, you know, for me. And um, you know, I came into the program, you know, because I was confronted uh, by my partner, you know, of, you know, many years, and. Uh, you know, it was a situation, you know, where I had been living a secret life. You know, I had been, um, you know, on one level, you know, wanting to project, you know, the image, you know, of, you know, being a monogamous, happy, together person. And, you know, on the other side of that, you know, it was as if, you know, I had created a whole, you know, inner person, you know, that I was deeply ashamed of. And, um you know, the Internet, you know, really, you know, sort of fed that because it allowed me to, you know, to, um, you know, to seek out, you know, people, you know, that matched up to fantasies. And I could, you know, in those fantasies type situations, completely disconnect, you know, from, you know, the real, you know, you know, my real life. And, um it's one of the hardest things I have just found, you know, in just, you know, uh, you know, in conversations with my partner is trying to help somebody that's healthy, you know, understand, you know, how you can basically do things, um, 
you know, that as you're explaining them, you're like, I can't believe I've done those things. You know, I can't believe that I could, um, during the workday, chat with somebody online, you know, somebody that I've never met before, you know, have a sexual experience with them and pretend like it never happened and go back to my regular life as if, um, you know, I completely disassociated myself from that experience. And, uh, you know, the, you know, and I think, you know, you know, the truth is it's not something that, um, and I've done once or twice, but it's been a serial, you know, part of my life for as long as, you know, the, you know, I've known about the internet and, um, you know, was able to do it. So, you know, what, you know, and so what am I doing? Um, not enough. You know, everything that's been done has sort of been done because I've been caught, you know, or I've been found out. You know, even the software that's on my computer, you know, isn't software that I put on there, you know, but it was software, you know, it was accountability software that would basically send, you know, a weekly report, you know, to, you know, of all the websites that I had been to. Um, you know, and, you know, I know that I'm an addict because, you know, I could, every time I walk by a computer, you know, I'm like, you know, gee, I could go back and see, you know, what this person, you know, is doing or try to reconnect. And, you know, I feel that. So I know that this is, you know, um, you know, one of the, you know, the probably most serious, you know, bottom line behavior that I need to focus and concentrate all of my energy on. And I think the hard part has been, you know, you know, and, you know, I think why it's been such a struggle, you know, since May you know, is that there, you know, if, if I'm really, really honest with myself, you know, it's realizing that, you know, I, it, it's kind of like the alcoholic that's like, okay, I'm not going to drink vodka and whiskey. I think I can still have a little bit of wine. Um, and knowing that, you know, I can't even, you know, have seltzer water, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm that allergic to this. Um, you know, I have no, you know, because I have, you know, just found, uh, you know, you know, you know, in moments, you know, where I've had, you know, a couple of months of sobriety, you know, gee, you know, wouldn't it be, you know, I'll go back to this website just to see if there are any new people. Now, I'm not going to hook up with these people, but I just want to know, you know, what, you know, the world looks like, you know, and I'm going to, you know, see that, you know, you know, and, you know, I, and so, you know, you know, my recovery has been pretty messy. I mean, and, you know, I guess, you know, I'm at a point where I think I'm, you know, sort of at the bottom. I'm really tired. You know, I'm tired of, you know, being, you know, in that situation of being found out and, you know, having to figure out how much, you know, is known. You know, do I have to disclose everything? Do I have to, can I just say a little bit or do I have to, you know, I'm really tired, you know, and, um, you know, and so, you know, I, I, I've come to this meeting and I've picked up a lot of strength, you know, from, you know, being able to, you know, you know, to hear, you know, other people that have been able to, um, you know, to gain some sobriety. And I thank, you know, all of you for sharing. Hi, I'm Robert and I'm a sexaholic. Uh, I appreciate all the shares. Um, I, uh, I, I, I related, I related to them all, I think, in one way or, or another. I, um, uh, you know, I, the, 
my my acting out uh all all of my acting out has been same sex um i uh and i i used um uh initially uh phone line phone lines phone sex that was that was a big thing for me uh mainly listening to recordings and that kind of thing that that uh uh for um you know opportunities to to have sex with with another person and um and then as 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 time went on it kind of graduated into uh you know more use of the internet looking at finding prostitutes online um or finding you know or just finding people that were interested in you know in anonymous sex and that kind of thing and i you know i guess you know, kind of re- listening to the shares i was kind of reflecting on you know why is it that um that the online stuff was so powerful for me and and i think part of the reason was that it um uh you know, i i'm i'm sort of a naturally inhibited person i'm i'm you know i, I don't I don't uh, relate to other people socially easily and uh and you know the internet and any kind of online thing you know whether whether it was a phone line or whatever it just it made it that much easier to just sort of you know skip over the inhibitions and and then you know really kind of just go right to fantasy you know um and uh uh and it it's it's also interesting to kind of reflect on um on just how uh what what judgment I had even in acting out just seemed to fly out the window when when i was uh, when it involved meeting other people online in one way or another um you know i kind of like you know bernadette was was sharing about you know driving six hours i i mean I would do things like that I would go to you know dangerous neighborhoods i would uh uh i you know i would Hang around with crack addicts and, and, uh, you know, just, I mean, I, I, I had, there was no boundary basically anymore when, uh, when it came to, uh, when it came to acting out with another person that I was, you know, meeting in some kind of a, you know, in some kind of disconnected way like, like the internet or phone, phone sex or that kind of thing. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, and, you know, it, I guess the other thing I, I just thought about in, in listening to the shares was that, um, I still have a very powerful association with uh with those media. Um I had I was sponsoring a guy at one point who uh uh who was also same sex attracted and had um been an escort for a while, which I found out later later on. And uh and his I kind of realized after sponsoring him for a while that the message on his on his uh, cell phone must have been a message that he used when he was advertising for escort services, and it just it kind of kind of emphasized like over overly masculine voice and that kind of thing, and that was one of the reasons I had to stop sponsoring him. It was just it was too triggering to listen to to that message, and the associations were, you know, so strong with all my own acting out behavior there, you know. So and and it's still it doesn't take all it takes is you know hearing something like that you know some kind of uh, message or phone message that sounds like one of the messages I used to listen to in my acting out days or or uh, or seeing some image like you know like the images of of the escorts that I was looking at online yeah it it uh, you know it just gets that that rush you know going and it's uh you know it's it's hugely powerful and i just have to stay away from from anything anything like that so um 
So this has been a great a great session for me because I think I think I hadn't really I think I had sort of underestimated the. I, I've always I, I usually share about like you know pornography and um, and you know fantasy as part of my acting out, and those were you know I guess on a day to day basis those were sort of my primary mechanisms for acting out. But when it came to the really dangerous stuff, the really um, you know uh, the the crazy stuff really, I mean that usually involved you know meeting up with with people in one way or another using either you know the phone or the internet so um, so thanks for listening. Anybody else like to share? No did you did you want to say anything okay. Okay, then I guess we'll, um, I guess we'll just close up a little early then, so, um, so, um, I would like to thank, uh, the speaker, uh, Bernadette and the participants for sharing their experience, strength and hope, um, and, um, well, I was, it says let me summarize a few of the recovery ideas I heard. I think I did that in my share just now. Uh, remember, this is an anonymous program. Please, uh, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories you hear are told in confidence and should not be repeated outside. Please keep any names, addresses, and or phone numbers you learn about in essay to yourself. And what we say here, let it stay here. Uh, after a moment of silence for the sick and suffering inside and outside of these rooms, let's close with the third step prayer, and we'll, we can close in a circle.
I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.